Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a 24 episode. We are up to episode 19 of season two, 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. Don't know why I had to look at the time there to clarify that it went to 3 a.m. and not 3 p.m. Just in case I thought this was the extended uh, 13 hour episode of 24. <laughs> Uh, I thought you meant you literally looked at the clock. Like, you're going to spoil the illusion. We don't record these in actual time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we we don't do these, like, in real time. Uh, it first aired on the 15th of April, 2003, uh, directed by James Whitmore Jr., written by Howard Gordon. And just saying this now, I'm so looking forward to talking about this episode. Uh, my name is Ben, and that came out wrong. And my name is Colin, and hey, get your hands off of me! <laughs> there was an episode, I can't remember what episode number it was this season, but it was like, you hated it, I loved it, and I'm like, this is like such a terribly batshit crazy episode that I just absolutely love. This tops that episode. Like, this episode is ridiculously oh. <laughs> stupid, but it's brilliant. It's like, it's this is, I don't know, there's just something about this episode that's like, it's like I'm watching a soap opera. Um, but like, it's just, it's brilliant soap opera. Like this, there's so much wrong with this episode, but it's so great. And there's no Kim in this episode. I just took me a while to realize at the end of this episode, like, where the fuck's Kim? Uh, but I'm like, she's not in this episode. So you get to see Jack naked. You get to see his nipples getting burnt off. There's like 20 celebrity cameos in this episode of people who are like either were famous or like are even more famous now. Um, I mean, what's not to love it. Don't tell me you dislike this episode. Yeah, I'm going to be bitten in this one. I'll get it up. Oh, <laughs> no. This is in my top 10 already. I can tell you that now. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll say, I mean, my reason for this is definitely more memorable than some of the other binning episodes we've had this year. But my reasoning for it is that there's only one storyline in this entire episode that is not just reiterating what we've already seen. Uh, and it's the worst storyline of the season. It's Carrie and uh, and Michelle and Mr. Brother. Uh, other than that, like it's 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 literally just oh, remember last week how we were worried about whether or not we should pull out of this attack? Yeah, we're still thinking about it. Like that's all we get this week. And I mean, bonus that there's a couple of as you said, celebrity cameos, people that when I saw in the credits, I'm like they're in this, and some of which I didn't know who they were and as they were in the show, but. Uh, yeah, it is not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe if this was, an, I, I have a feeling if this was season four, season five, then you would be bidding this in a second. But this being season two, I think you're just embracing the bad in this episode. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, 
maybe because if it like if this was an episode when everything else is brilliant, yeah, I can see what you're saying. But like, it's just it was like that episode. There's just something about this that is just so over the top dumb. Like, again, <laughs> like I agree with you. There's so much in this episode that is just is pointless and. Like all the storylines and everything to me are just it it makes me incredible. But like it just there's just something about it. Like there's two moments in this episode to me, and <laughs> I, I I you don't agree? Like you got to be thinking to me that there are two moments in this episode that are top ten worthy. Come on. I mean, are we talking about Chappelle just reappearing because he's Chappelle? It makes it top ten worthy. Maybe. No. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm gonna be backing Jack just for forty minutes. <laughs> Um, I, in my 24 moments of 24 video that I did two moments in this episode made my top 24. I mean, again, admittedly at that point, we'd only had like five well, four seasons and like two episodes, I think of season five at that point, but no, I'm, I'm fighting for two moments in this episode. I mean, you, you barely were on board with me for the whole Jack and Nina speech on the plane. You idiot. Like no, this one, I have, like, I, I, have I have an update on that one. We can get to that. Uh, oh, we have an, an update. Like, you Opinions change apparently, but um, no, 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 no. Opinions didn't change. <laughs> no, opinions got okay. Well, we're right, calm down. Um, but like, it's just ah, uh, uh, no. Like, this is going to be a fun episode. Then clearly, um, I, I, I think that it just, I don't know. Like, just literally moments in this when I'm watching it, particularly with the Tony Michelle stuff, and I'm thinking like, is this a soap opera? Like, oh. <laughs> like, shall we get that over and done with now? Um, Let, yeah, let's do. It. This is our new. Get, get Kim out of the way. Get Tony now, Michelle out of the way. Now, um, just I will have an update for people in terms of how this might be a bit skewy for me hosting it this time around because uh, I'm not at my setup that I usually am at. I'm in New York at the moment, so therefore I'm on a laptop. So I don't like I, people don't care the technicalities of it. So if I'm a little bit all over the place with how I'm hosting this a little bit, blame me. Um, don't blame Colin because no one should blame that pretty face. I don't know why I'm going with that. But anyway, um, so... Okay, Tony and Michelle, they're um, they're <laughs> they're they're working. That's it. That's my storyline. Um, I love the beginning of this where basically Michelle's like saying to Tony, like, "Oh, like, so Jack Jack's got this recording. You know, he's he's got it. Okay, yeah, you you should call the president. I'm thinking about it. Like, it's like." Why are you thinking about it? <laughs> like the, the, my biggest Ugh. issue, again, getting angry with this episode, is that literally we have the evidence now, pretty much, that this recording is fake. Okay, it's not record whole other government that this is. Uh, you know, we attacked them, so that's enough to go to war on. Three governments. That's enough for you to go to war on. One recording. One recording. So if there's any chance it is fake, we've got over this before, any chance that this is fake, you're going to want to do this. Now, I've got an even bigger issue when we get to the Palmer stuff about their whole like, oh, well, if we don't, 20,000 people will die. Okay. Well, it's war. Um, as that guy said, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. So. Um, Say it again Ed- now. Edwin, Edwin, what's his name? Edwin, who sang that song? Star. Yeah. Edward Star- I thought it was Edward Star. I was going to go with that, but I'm thinking like, no, is that that like guy who helped and break the Monica Lewinsky? That by the way, you, f- you forgot war. <laughs> what oh, sorry. <laughs> um, get to that storyline. But like, I just love Tony, like head of CTU. I'm thinking about it. Like, let's imagine, let's imagine if he didn't call the president. We then later on find out that this is a fake recording. They go to war. <laughs> what is it good for? 
And then they later find out that the one person that could have prevented this was Tony Almeida for, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> like, Tony's going to, like, the Geneva War Crimes Convention, I think, here. Like, you know, like, literally because he's got a boner for Michelle. Um, so I just, I just love the dramatic nature. Like, this is where all the soap opera stuff's happening. So Tony eventually calls through. And I, I love, like, when he's, like, calling up, you know, Palmer and Mike. He's like, yeah, struggled, struggled. Tony's very much on Carlos Bernard, like, form here with, like, yeah, man, like I'm, I'm going to go home. Like he's very cool, calm, even more so this week. Um, yeah, this is the most Tony we will ever see. <laughs> so like here he is, you know, like whatever. So he's got that out of the way. Who cares about the the actual drama of this episode? We're going to get to the soap opera drama of this episode. So um, meanwhile, Michelle gets a phone call from um, Mr. Say My Name. Uh, you're goddamn right it is. Um, still up and about in the morning and like he's Mr. Moody. And then he shows up. Uh, not not before we have a bit of a Michelle Carey cat fight, which is just dumb. It's like, hey, so uh, I'm going to need you to open up a socket for me. Okay, <laughs> we'll bring it over to my computer. I asked you to do it. No, yes, no. Boop, boop, beep, boop. Michelle, will you come to my office, please? <laughs> <laughs> like, first of all, if you watch How I Met Your Mother, this is a Barney Stinson moment. Never stop a cat fight, kid! Uh, <laughs> but then I just love. We should have gone like, put your back down. <laughs> <laughs> because we can't. Um, but I just, like, Tony's such a shit boss because, like, he's so lazy. He's just sitting there and he's like, you know, window looking at the floor and he's just like, oh, two women having a cat fight. I'm not going to go down there and be a boss and, like, put my feet in. He's just going to, Michelle, will you come up here? Like, what if they were, like, mid fight punching each other? Is he just going to be like, Shall we stop punching Carrie? Come up here, please. Like it's just uh, Tony sounds like he's like, hey girls, you want to try that with a little bit of oil this time? Yeah, he may as well be. Got a mud bath. <laughs> like he literally may as well be. But uh so Michelle comes up, you know, and I, I just I love this whole situation where it's just like, um, so you've been at each other's throats all day. You know, what's going on? And Michelle's like, nothing, it's personal. Well, it's personal when you're working with me. So I need you to tell me. And like, okay, I've said before, I hate this storyline. I forgot, like, this is like how lame it is. And I'm kind of going to say, I'm not defending Carrie, but like her brother, bit of a dick as well. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. guy, I'm sorry the guy got depressed and tried to kill himself, but they played out like this guy's an innocent victim. What about this guy's wife and kids? Like, <laughs> this guy. So basically, Michelle's all like, yeah, so my brother, oh, that's, that's, that's Tony. Hi, I'm Michelle. No, I, I can't do it. Don't want to do, I don't want to offend Rayco Ellsworth here, but basically her brother was married with a kid and they're all chummy chums with like friends. Is it Michelle's fault? I introduced her to my brother. Um, so he then goes off and has an affair with her to which, okay, she gets bored and leaves. To which then, oh, my brother lost everything, so then he became suicidal. Okay, sad for you in a way, but you made that choice to fuck another woman and assume that she was going to stick around forever. Well, here's a thought process to you, mate. Not all women stick around forever, so no. Um, yeah, 
kind of not really on board with this whole feel so sorry for the brother thing because in the next minute when he shows up, he starts abusing Carrie, like grabs her by the throat and pins her against the wall. Get off of me. Get off of me. Uh, please return Rodney King. Rodney King. It gets dragged out. It's like, I'm sorry. You've come into this office like white on some substance and you're just pinning a woman against the wall. Yeah, you should be arrested. But then it's all like, oh, Michelle, are you okay? You kind of brought this on yourself in a weird way, Michelle. Don't introduce your married brother with kids to an attractive woman at your office. Um, I don't think she's that attractive, but I mean, I'm sure he did. But uh, <laughs> um, but the, the the best part of this, well, no, I'm going to say the best part of this episode. Fuck you. You can bag this out all you want. This is making my top five potential lists. It made my top 24 moments. It's the oh. Michelle Tony kiss. Um <laughs> So after this little kerfuffle, Michelle goes off and it's so soap opery. But like, this is just where I love this though, because I just love the way that Tony's like, Michelle, are you okay? And it's like, with this bomb going off and I don't know if it's recording. I just, I just, I'm so tired. I'm just, oh, hold me like you did on Naboo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when there was nothing but our love. There was no bas- bomb, no politics. <laughs> it's basically that scene. Um, but I mean, we defended that. So here I am defending this. You're just going to not. But then like their kiss, like what I think makes it so good is like, if this was just like a mwah, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, kiss. But like, this is like fucking passion. Like this whole episode is just them wanting to fuck each other. And there's just something about it, which like, I hate this storyline so much, but like, they're just giving each other doomy eyes all episode. The, the chemistry between these two is so much that I'm just like, okay, like will these two just get a room? And then when they finally like make out, like I, I would struggle to say, you name me a better opening kiss between two characters on a TV show. Even Ross and Rachel was not this heated. Like, I mean, this is full on. And like, you know, you I'm going to say cheers. Well, <laughs> yeah, what was it? I've never watched, um, it was a moonlighting with, um, with, uh, oh, Sybil and, and Bruce Willis. Right. I've seen the yeah. clip of it and sure. And like Mulder and Scott, like, okay, there's lots of shows where like the sexual tension and this hasn't built up like a cheers or a friends, you know, it's, it's only been, but like, it's just the passion level. Like you just like, you hate porn. You're not, you're not normal, but like right <laughs> in this scene, if they were like stripping each other off and he was just going to town and she was going to town, I think even you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm on board. Like, yes, like this is hot. Like, yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know. There's just something about it where even though this tension has been building up for 19 episodes, not 19 seasons, I'm like, yeah, wow, this is hot. Uh, to which Buzzkill Carry comes in. No, oh, you got to unplug a socket or something. Um <laughs> Look, again, probably shouldn't be making out and like having sex in a corridor of a building that just got blown up. We're still trying to find out if the recording's faked, if it's stop a nuclear war, essentially. But it's hot. I love it. It's great. It's a top five moment for me. Um, And is that it? That's everything? I don't think we get anything else CTU from this moment, do we? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) And Carrie's not pressing charges. Like, again, I'm going to say right now, I don't think I would have said this when we restarted this rewatch. I'm team Carrie this week, like 100%. She has done nothing wrong. And if anything, they have spent this season trying to, this just shows how bad the writers are because they have spent this entire season building her up. Like she's supposed to be Michelle's villain. And the writing is so lazy and so bad that they have actually turned the tables and made Michelle a villain, not even just made Danny a villain. Michelle is a villain here, but let's backtrack first to uh, Tony with his whole, I'll think about it, you know, (laughs) like, that is so Tony, uh, but 
we're going to get into a lot of stuff here where it's like, yeah, you know, th- th- there's going to be some more criminals coming out of this, uh, this, uh, this, this whole ordeal here, this day two ordeal. But Tony, like, what is his reservation? His entire job is just to provide intel. This is intel. Intel doesn't have to be proven. It just has to be, okay, we have some reports. And this is my problem with the way that a lot of characters are treated this season. We're going to get to it when we get to Mike later on is characters who are simply doing their job by presenting the options and giving Mm. their opinions. Tony doesn't even have to give an opinion. I mean, he's not an advisor. He is just simply a guy passing on, listen, we got some information. This recording might be fake. Why is there a debate about that? It's your job to make the call, even if it's completely false. One report. I mean, it only takes one accusation of, uh, oh, my boss sexually assaulted Michelle, and they're going to be investigating Tony. So it should only take one accusation of this recording is fake for them to say, let's investigate further. Like that, that's all your job is, Tony. It's so the dumb. Whole, well, like, I mean, let's always bring up 9-11 because we do. Um, don't know how loud I'm meant to talk about it in the city now. But anyway, um, it's, it's like when the whole, a lot of controversy around that was kind of like that they got like some warnings and they got some intel that kind of led to believe. And so a lot of people question like in the 9-11 reports, like, did they know more? Should they have done more to investigate this? Like, I mean, we see it now. Like, if there's any form of potential terrorist attack, there was that shoe bomber guy. Like, you know, like they find like a tiny little thing and then they they stop it. Like, you're right. Like, nothing needs to be fact checked to 100. percent Like, I mean, God, I'm a journalist. You know, like, I mean, it's, what do we think we do half the time? Oh, 98. percent That's accurate enough. Like, uh, it's <laughs> I'm a good journalist. I don't do it that way. Um, but like, it's, <laughs> and he deserves to be employed in his city of choice. <laughs> exactly. But um, please hire me. But um, it's. <laughs> It's, yeah, like you're right. Like it's just it's in that level of, and you know, like, oh, it, what I just don't get why everyone's just so pro-war. Like if anything, like I feel like everyone in this episode should be working with Tobin Grace or whatever his name is. Like they should, you know, they're the ones off. Topher Grace. Topher, what? Not Topher Grace. It's his name, Tobin Bell. Fuck. <laughs> so many people in Hollywood have the same name. Um, but anyway. Well, they but, both spell and pronounce their names differently, Tobin and Topher. <laughs> Whatever. Um, there's a T in there somewhere. Uh, I like Tobin Bell better, let's be honest. Um, he would make a better Venom. Um, but he would actually. He'd be all right, Venom. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. Sorry, I, I did not mean like, you there. Into the soap opera stuff, there's so many problems with this. Um, first of all, the entire conversation, what's the problem, Michelle? Nothing. I don't want to talk about like that is bad soap opera. It's not even good soap opera. I don't know if there's such thing as good soap opera, but this isn't it. If there is a such thing as good soap opera, this is that good? I don't know. I've never watched it. Um, <laughs> Home and Away was good for a few years. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like the, the way that this conversation goes down, like where she explains it, like were the writers trying to sabotage her character? I mean, obviously there's certain actors who are likable enough that they can overcome bad writing. Uh, Enrico Ellsworth proves that <laughs> this season. Because she says, listen, basically, I'm not even going to, this isn't putting a spin on it. Her words are, I introduced her to my brother. My brother was married. You didn't say, oh, you know, he met my boss. He met Carrie. You said, no, I introduced him. What scenario is it? The company picnic of your secret government organization where your brother, hey, hey, this is my boss. And then all of a sudden it just happened. No, you basically said you introduced them. And then- you say, okay, she got bored. That's not the way I'm reading this. I'm reading it that Carrie is the only one who came to her senses and said, I don't need to be messing around with a married guy with a family. 
Like, why throwing that line in if she got bored just makes Michelle look bad. Because yeah. now you're saying it's all her fault that your brother had an affair and broke up his family. And then on top of that, you're saying, oh, and then he, 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 you know, got really sad and tried to kill himself and stuff like that. Why is this Carrie's problem? Again, he shouldn't have done that in the first place. And you shouldn't sure he's your brother, but like be objective enough as an intelligence officer to look at the facts and say, it was clearly his fault, not not um, Carrie's at fault too, but there is more Danny's fault than Carrie. Yeah. Look, I don't want to go too deep into this conversation, but yes, I agree with pretty much everything you said. <laughs> I still don't like Carrie. She annoys me because like she's clearly written in a way where you're not meant to like her. Exactly. Um, she's written the think, way Tony was written the first half of season one. But I think even worse, because like I I I mean, this isn't just because Ben's right, but like I don't think I ever disliked Tony you know what I mean but like I see what you're saying but like there's just to me there's never anything redeeming about Carrie and she's just like it's kind of like when we get Kate Mara in season five like I mean I think I give her a pass because I like Kate Mara but like her character is kind of just a pain in the butt and just kind of like the the Mm -hmm. the annoying CTU character of the season Chloe is that character next season bring that on um but yeah I, I I see exactly what you're saying in that um but I don't know. But get, do you not like the kiss? Do you not like the kiss? I'll get there in a second. Uh, first, I want to address the single dumbest thing, maybe in this entire, I'm not going to say the entire season. We've lived through it. The single dumbest non-Kim thing this entire season is after this conversation where she finally says, this is the whole drama. She even tells him it's about my brother. That very second she gets called, hi, your brother's here to see you. Okay. I'll be right out. Shouldn't she say to Tony, listen, um, so that guy I told you about, the whole reason that me and Carrie are fighting, he's coming in the building. Can you distract Carrie? Can you take her for, on a lunch break or something like that? Can, can you hit on her? Just, just get her attention away from the fact <laughs> that with a- the, guy, the guy we're fighting over is walking in the building. Why does she say let him in? And also, why is he allowed in the building at yeah. 2 a.m., 2.30 in the morning? I mean, blown up to be a high terrorist and a bomb's gone off in the city. Yeah, like, did they do a background check on this guy? It's like, hey, listen, he he broke up his family. He had an affair with, you know, uh, Michelle's boss. Like, there is no no vetting of this guy when he walks in the building. And then they're surprised when he tries to strangle her. It's just, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. But I I really do love this actor. I, I, I'll say even here, he's got, some, there's something about Louis Farrar, not that he wasn't Farrar here or whatever. Um, I, I would love for you to watch even one episode of Motive because it's like, it's one of these, CSI without a trace numbers types of shows where it's just like everything else, except it's a Canadian version. Uh, so people are so it's a more polite. Plot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's a show made by the actors and the performances and he is kind of the Tony on that show. He's the like, Hey, I'm so cool. You know? So for me to see him just lose it out of nowhere, <laughs> it's great to see. I mean, he's an actor who has a, a bit of charisma and all that. You can, you can kind of see it even here in a poorly written role. Uh, now as for the kiss, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that you put this in like your top all time moments. Oh, uh, I will say, hot. well, I will say it's, it's something that they built the right way. And it's funny, all the other things that you mentioned, friends, um, X-Files, cheers. Um, there's a show i I don't know if we ever talked about it here. I, I was a massive fan of this show, not when it was originally on the air because I was too young to get it, but when I got older, the show Northern Exposure. <laughs> Heard of it, never watched it. It also has kind of like this, this bickering relationship between the two male and female lead that they let build for a long time. Like, I think the difference is, is that those shows kind of 
used what the, the formula that Cheers created, Moonlighting, another one. Cheers sort of created that formula of they can't stand each other, but the audience can tell there's chemistry and it's going to go somewhere. And this show went against that. They actually did the opposite. They're like, we're going to show you there's chemistry from day one. We're going to tell you in really poorly written ways. And the fact that you can kind of get excited about it, even in a scene as bad as this, there's something there. Uh, and it shouldn't work because they're doing the opposite route with these two characters getting together. Uh, it's going to be done even differently with Renee and Jack later on. You know, Ugh. we're never really going to see this again in 24. And it is probably the most effective workplace relationship that 24 has. So I'll give it credit for that. But then the second that Carrie walks in again, you're like, Ooh, now she's got leverage. And I'm thinking like, no, now she should go and say, listen, there's a conflict of interest. We're supposed <laughs> to be stopping a bomb and they're trying to get it on in a blown up corridor. Like, again, I can't fault Carrie, although I will agree with you. They write her in an annoying way. So it's hard. It's just like I, I said, even in season two, it's still hard for me to get over the slimy Tony that they wanted us to be suspicious of. You can't get over that with Carrie. And I think it's unfortunate because the storyline is actually written in her favor. But they're going to do this. They, they, I mean, we had what, um, what's his name on uh, play Miguel in season or well, next season. And they kind of like, oh, yeah. they do that. Like they do that with every season because it's kind of like, Oh, who's the mole? Like, you know, there's going to be someone, but um, I think like, I think also why I love it so much kind of your point there is that like, just knowing what Tony and Michelle become like, so that's where kind of like, you know, cause this is the moment they get together. Like it's, if this was just a, a little fling and they bone each other and then they never talk to each other again. Yeah. I'm probably not on board as much, but like, this is, maybe the most quintessential couple you have in this show. Um, but it's not your top couple. Tony and Michelle moment, right? Please tell me it's not your top. There are better ones to come. Oh, yeah, I can think of a couple, but like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to rewatch my list. I can't remember where I put this. I, I think this came in like the bottom, like few of the top of my head. This might be like 24, 23 out of the 24 moments, but like it, um, yeah. I mean, I can think of two off the top of my head that are strong moments, but and clearly one, but um yeah, because like I mean, like it's kind of interesting you saying that. Like when we get to Audrey and Jack, like that's kind of we see them from the beginning together. Yeah, we're like, dropped I'm, into them. Yeah, and then kind of you see the drama of them over the years. And I'm sorry, Audrey and Jack shit all over Renee and Jack. Fuck you. Um, but I, I'm not saying they don't. But I'm saying we didn't see the beginning of Audrey and Jack. We see the beginning of true, Renee and Jack. True, but um, oh god, why do I what? always have to argue for like these? One thing I want to add: you're I, wrong on. <laughs> I have a couple of things um to to update you on here. So. Um, a couple episodes ago, uh, we actually had uh, my brother who listens to the show uh, had filled us in on the whole uh, put your back down thing. Hi, Ian. Uh, and he, we actually got another update from him. Uh, it's related to the Mike storyline, which I'll reserve his comments for that because he basically said, hey, I just listened to the episode. And here's my opinion on the whole Mike versus Palmer thing. But I asked him, I'm like, OK, bonus points. If you have an opinion on Carrie's storyline with Michelle and who's in the right, if anyone. And he put the writers are in the wrong. The wrong is the existence of the storyline. Ultimately, Carrie, Carrie isn't really wrong for tattling on Michelle, but the character is so lame that though she dis isn't doing anything wrong, I still hate her for it. So basically what we summed up there. Um, second thing I asked him, this this was something you sent me a couple weeks ago, uh, but uh, I actually saw him uh, recently and uh, he was sort of talking about 24. First thing he said to me is like, by the way, I want to thank you guys for ruining season two for me. Uh, he had rewatched... <laughs> The he rewatched the entire series last year and he's been listening along. And he said, even after he's seen 
all of these seasons multiple times. <laughs> Even after rewatching this most recent time, he said he probably would have ranked season two as his third or fourth season overall. Really? Wow. And then he said, now listen to it. It's like, you've ruined it for me. Like, There's so much <laughs> nothing that happens in this season. Uh, completely true. Uh, and third, um, I asked him about, oh, okay, what's your opinion on the airplane scene between Nina and, and I didn't put any context in there. And he basically said, he's like, you know, I think the scene would work if it was season four or season five, Jack, but it is completely out of place for season two, Jack, which was kind of my point. It's not that it's a bad scene. It's just, it didn't feel right for the Jack we see at the timing they had. So, um, you know, we got, we got some opinions kind of in the middle there. Uh, thank you, Ian. There's, there's somebody who agrees with us both, uh, but you're in blood. Say more. Does that yeah, count? Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if you said like Jamie, it's like, okay, which kind of has to, um, you know, if, <laughs> if I get a random person on the street, like being Jeff Probst, you know, then that kind of works. Um, I have two updates for you. First one time of recording this. Um, I'm probably about 36 hours from seeing Keith Sutherland live. So yes gonna be in a room with Kiefer uh so uh, by the time this is released hopefully would have seen him so next time we record if it we're recording after I've seen I think we are good to see our scheduling live here on the Oz Network um <laughs> we can talk about you know breathing the same oxygen as him and an episode after seeing him naked um and on a bit of a tangent but not really because I feel like this is some news we should break on the Oz Network because it's sad news particularly for Australia not the sad news that Shane Warner very sad but in the same week that Shane Warne died, an Australian institution got cancelled. Colin Hilding, Neighbours is ending this year after 37 years. You saw that. You even saw the news that Neighbours yeah. is ending. Wow. Yeah. How do you and, feel? And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've never seen it. So, I mean, I'm obviously <laughs> sad. Uh, but how many future Australian stars are we going to have? Uh, no embarrassing clips of <laughs> to, to Home and Away on. is it Home and Away is going to last They say that it's been placed on like higher, so it, it will probably get brought well, back And basically the problem is It's got nothing to do with Australia It's because it's obviously huge in the UK And I think they get like partial funding For the station that it airs in the UK I think Channel 5 And basically Channel 5 is and Forgive me if I'm wrong If it's not Channel 5 And I'm bagging them out But like they basically are like, yeah, we're not going to show it anymore. So they lose like all that funding. So Network 10 in Australia who show it on one of the digital channels now, not even on their main channel, uh, they're like, yeah, we can't afford to produce this anymore. We've lost the UK funding. So bye-bye, neighbours. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, it, people listening outside of America won't quite get this, but I mean, uh, outside of America and maybe countries like England and China and India, uh, you don't necessarily have the budget to do really high production, which is why you get... M- we've done Canadian and Australian movies where like, yeah, you could tell it's a lower budget for a reason. I mean, we have a fraction of the population. So you have a fraction of you know, the amount of money you can make on these properties. There's two Canadian shows, uh, both sci-fi shows that um, knew they needed bigger effects, uh, more budget to deal with. So they kind of got funding from the outside. Uh, one was a show called Sanctuary, which uh, was a Canadian sci-fi show that kind of got funding from the sci-fi network in the States as well, where they basically said, we'll help if you, if you let us carry the show, we'll give you, I don't know, 20% of the cost of the show. The other one was a show called Orphan Black, which a Canadian sci-fi show that went to the BBC and said, Hey, if you're interested in airing this, will you give us like 20% or whatever? Uh, Both of those shows kind of, even though they were Canadian shows, hundred percent, they were dependent on the outside financing Orphan Black did well, 
Sanctuary was eventually canceled in America on the sci-fi network. And even though it was massive here in Canada, they said, well, we got to pull the plug after four seasons. We don't have the money to continue this. So it's unfortunate that uh, we have to rely on um, other, other more fortunate uh, countries when it comes to entertainment in order to get our good stuff out there. Bastards. Um, Yeah, it is interesting. And like, I never watched, like I watched Neighbours for a little bit when I was with Louise, you know, because she watched it. That's how I knew like who Margot Robbie was because that's what I watched when she was on there. And like, in all honesty, like, even though it's kind of crap, um, like I stopped watching Home and Away years ago because it turned really crap. Um, it It's kind of still, as like, all jokes aside, it is kind of that platform. And it, like, it is an institution. Like as much as I've always been Team Home and Away over Team Neighbours, Neighbours is one that started. I mean, God, like peak neighbors in the late 80s, early 90s. I mean, that was the biggest thing in Australia. That was, you know, like Kylie Minogue, you know, Russell Crowe, Jason Donovan, uh, you know, Guy Pearce was on Neighbours. Like, oh, name the name and they're on Neighbours or Home and Away. We know that. But um, I don't think Hugh Jackman was as any on them. He was in a different one. But anyway, the point is um, the big rumors are now like they're going to try, like, are they going to get Margot Robbie to come? Are they going to get Kylie Minogue to like, mm. they got Kylie Minogue, I'd fucking watch it. Like, Jesus, that would be the biggest thing in Australian television probably ever to get That's- Kylie you know, to come the back to neighbors. That's yeah, the more no. exciting of the two. Because seriously, the the wedding. So like when I don't know if they do that in Canada, they do like the 50 greatest moments in Canadian TV or things like that. So like we had that, you know, mid 2000s when it was 50 years of television and stuff like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. They would do like the 50 greatest moments in Australian TV. The wedding of like uh, Kylie Minogue's character, Charlene, such a bogan name. And um, Jason Donovan, this other Australian actor, that is always listed as like, top two, top three moments in Australian TV. Cause that was like event television. That was like who shot JR. That was like, I, I was like two when that happened. It was like 88, 89 or something, but like everything in TV history in Australia shouts at that being argued. Like the song that they played at the wedding was like the biggest song of the year in Australia, like huge. So like if they got Kylie Minogue back to neighbors, it was like when George Clooney came back to ER for a cameo. You're like, oh, he's never going to do it. He's too big to come back to ER. But they got him for like, you know, two scenes, which is like, wow, George Clooney came back to ER. But anyway, that would be a big fucking deal. So um, oh. I, I, I'm sure it'll be just as big as when Louis Ferrara comes back uh, to do mode of revival. <laughs> Great segue, but you know Colin. <laughs> but I, I actually, uh, one more thing to add, we are kind of, now witnessing this this revival thing of like cancel show like the the longest running or it was tied for the longest running uh primetime drama in u.s history law and order they mm. canceled one year before it would have if they had done one more season they would have broken that record and it was off the air for years and now they just brought back law and order advertising so, everywhere in new york you just see it like the original gosh. is back like you see it yeah yeah I'm, I'm surprised you haven't seen the actors out there filming. You probably will soon. Uh, <laughs> I'm but, hearing the theme yeah, right like, now. Dun, 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 dun. Wrong one. But, but just anyway. all around, like revival shows has sort of become a thing again. I mean, we've already witnessed it with 24. Uh, one of the biggest shows here, the Kids in the Hall uh, sketch comedy show, like Canada's Monty Python. Uh, that's coming back now within the next couple of weeks, I think. So uh, this is something that wouldn't really have been possible if a show was canceled uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And now when a show's canceled, it's almost a given. It's like, well, we'll probably see it again at some point. Except for third watch. Uh, when will that go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't ever bring that. I, my favorite show of all time, but no, you couldn't. I, I'm not a huge fan of it when they do it anyway, but I mean, neighbors, I don't think they can make it any worse. Um, so um, anyway, oh, but- talk about making it worse. I mean, the it's not a revival, but the How I Met Your Father that just debuted. I haven't heard great things about it. Um, 
Is it that bad? <laughs> oh, it is so bad. <laughs> it is like 90s pilot that never got picked up by a network bad. <laughs> it like I should be on board because I like How I Met Your Mother until like the last episode. Um and then I like Hillary Duff. So I'm like, well, I should be on board with this. But no, it just it, I saw a trailer. I'm like, doesn't look good. It's kind of like that Bel Air, like whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Reimagining. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I actually kind of like that. It's kind of interesting. It's a it's a unique idea. Uh, and I used to love the Fresh Prince growing up. But it's kind of like, well, if they reimagined Friends as like a gritty sexual drama, like am I going to watch it? Maybe, probably, I don't know. Anyway, tangents, welcome to the Oz Network. Um, so we're done with that. Um, let's get the Palmer drama. There's only rule three this week, isn't there? I guess kind of like the Jack yeah. one kind of splits off into a tangent, but I guess we lump the Kate stuff because it's only like one scene really that kind of is exactly, separate. Exactly, yeah. Um, okay, so one thing that I you, you really need to pay attention with Palmer now is that, I think it's from this episode forward, they make him so overly sympathetic because you've got to be team Palmer from this point on, right? Like, because yeah. Palmer's right. Like, we've been saying that now for the last well, few weeks. And I think that... Palmer's, Palmer's right without any evidence. <laughs> he is, Palmer has a hunch that's right. But, but I mean, Ken, the, the, what, it's similar to what we're doing with Carrie is that, like, they make everyone else so almost, like, dick dastardly evil that it just makes you... And, like, literally in this opening scene where Palmer's like... Rah, 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 it's like that came out wrong. I'm big hoggy bear. I'm a nice guy. Um, <laughs> so like we've gone over so much about how this is just, again, TV shows got a TV show, but like how ridiculous it is. It's like, we got a strike now. Or we can't. So this is the scene where it's like trying to justify this in some context. So basically their justification is if we don't strike by 6am this morning, we lose the surprise element and therefore they're going to mobilize their troops and we're going to lose 20,000 casualties. Now, okay, not here to shit all over the fact that you are going to lose 20,000 casualties. That's a, it's Oh, I will. <laughs> Colin the asshole. But like... Well, I've, I've of- got stats, though. That, 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 that I'll, 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 I should actually <laughs> explain that part of it. I've got Colin anti-military. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> coming from a country where they don't have one. Um, it's like, this is where it's like war. What is it good for? Huh. Like, there are casualties... <laughs> So, like, this is what you said. Like, Bush didn't invade, like, Iraq and Afghanistan and go, oh, but we're definitely not going to lose anyone. Um, like, even right now, controversial opinion, Russian soldiers are dying. I know we're not Team Russia, but there are still Russian soldiers dying. Yeah. So, like, it's nobody dying is good. But the point is, like, this is the justification. This is the, if we don't strike now, we're going to lose. Like, is it really a losing a surprise element in six hours? Like at the end of the day, these countries I think are aware that the US are kind of angry at them because we had that earlier in the day when he's on the phone to the Yemenese president when he's like, "You will make an enemy of one third of the world." So he fucking is already on alert. He knows. Like as soon as that bomb went off, he's probably like, "Fuck, well we're in trouble." Like lock up the wife and kids in the bunker. Like so, why all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, we we'll lose a surprise," and like again, bring up nine eleven. Bush didn't just go like, ah, oh, we think it was Afghanistan. Let's blow them up tomorrow. They waited and waited. It wasn't about the surprise element. Again, this season's going to be shit. If you come back in six months time, you know, the day just ends and they all go to bed with strategy meetings. Not exciting. TV shows got a TV show, but like you just get to a level where this is literally their justification for war. 
is we're going to lose. The, everyone's going to wake up at 6 a.m., so they're not going to be asleep. We can't kill a bunch of yeah. innocent people. And, like, again, dick America. Sorry to say that it's in the land of the free, in the home of the brave that I'm in right now. But, like, you're basically saying that, oh, we can't, you know, risk 20,000 of our own men and women when we could be blowing the shit out of them and innocent, murder their innocent men and women because, you know, their troops aren't going to be ready. Um, it's just, it's so stupid. Like, it's just, it's just dumb. And I just, I love the fact that, you know, this is when they're having this big debate. And then this is obviously where we're going to get the phone call from Tony, you know, yeah, it's debating whether I give you this information. And, and Palmer then basically takes a stand. He's like, because I can. He's like, nope, Jack's got the recording. Uh, I'm going to call off the attack. Get me the, get me the general, get me the joint chiefs. Now, again, you're right. He's doing it on a hunch, but as we get pointed out, Jack was right about the bomb. Jack prevented. And like this whole thing about the, Oh, 20,000 Americans will die. The one thing Palmer needs to do right here. Cause he does that whole line of like, what if Jack's right? And then Mike's like, what if he's wrong? It's like, Ooh, like all Palmer literally needs to say is okay. Well, Jack stopped the bomb from going off and saved the lives of like 5 million Los Angelinos. So mm. therefore I think right now he's going to be right. And we're going to save the lives of 20,000 Americans. So shut the fuck up, Mike, you're fired. Like <laughs> that's all he needs to do. Um, stand your ground more Palmer. Come on, be a man. Um, <laughs> but again, I get the skepticism, one man's trust, but as the, the cliche goes in the show of 24, everyone listened to Jack and 24, the show would be called 12. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> like, but they just go so far out of their way to make Palmer so likable. And like, you've got to like this guy now. Cause he's, we know he's right. Um, and this kind of then sets up this whole extra plot. We're going to get, we're going to get to the 25th amendment, which I'm going to say right now, sorry, section four of the 25th amendment, which I think this is where I learned what this was because then I swear it comes up in every TV show and movie from this point. I think 24, this gets mentioned like 18 times from this point on to get used to the fourth section of the 25th amendment of the U S constitution, which basically is if the government's not happy with the president, you can all stage it. And he takes them. And like, I mean, look, honestly, I don't actually know how this process works. I don't know if you can like, if Kamala Harris could right now go, I'm not happy with old gummy Joe. Um, I'm going to stage a coup against him. I'm assuming this doesn't take like an hour to form a meeting and then sign a constitutional document to, un you know, unseat the president. I'm sure it takes a little bit longer than that. Um, but so, you know, we get win from Mike. It's like, Oh yes. Vice president's called a meeting. Uh, I also, can I just say, I love Alan Dale in the, uh, the meeting, like, are you okay, Mr. President? You seem unsure about this. Like <laughs> Alan Dale reading President Palmer's body language. Um, good body language doctor there, Alan Dale. Um, so, you know, I, this is, I'm not a fan of Mike turns evil for whatever reason, like, because then they're going to justify this by the end of the season that Mike wasn't evil. Uh, so like Mike's all like, oh, Lynn, yes. Heard there's a meeting. What's going on, Mike? Don't know. Meet me in room 503. Okay. We'll meet with whatever this Bring guy's name comfortable. is. Uh, is this this Armus? I don't know. I can't remember this guy's name. Um, <laughs> Let's call him Armus. He's Armus again. So uh, they go up to this room and it's just like, so got wind. You're familiar with the fourth sec section four of the 20th. I am. It's the bit blah, blah, blah. And Mike's all like, yeah, there's going to be a vote. And Lynn's all like, no, that's treason. I don't think it's treason, Lynn, if it's part it's of your... It's treason, then. <laughs> is, it, is it treason if it's part of your constitution? Like, this is a, a literal thing that you've signed into law. Yeah. Like, 
this this is used for if like Palmer woke up and he hit his head and he's got like Parkinson. Well, you don't get Parkinson's from hitting yet. I don't know. He's got something which he's basically like, Yippee, I'm gonna blow up the world. It's like, dude, you were different. Ben diagnosis Parkinson's. Don't hit your head. You might get Parkinson's. <laughs> Like, I can't imagine how many times like everybody in like Trump's administration thought about invoking this, but like there's there's rules around this, right? <laughs> like yeah. um, so anyway, so it's, it's treason. I, I just want Mike to turn around and go, no, it's not, Lynn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Read your constitution, woman. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not treason, you dummy. Anyway, so then, <laughs> but you know, TV shows gonna be able. I thought that would be what you think. <laughs> Bring in arms, <laughs> block the door. What are you doing? It's like, what the president, you know, he, but like, this is where like, why do they make, like, I don't get the, the level they make Mike evil here because like Mike's literally like, he's weak the moment he became president. Like, it's like, what? You're like, he's like trust, trusted, loyal ally, Mike Novick. And all of a sudden now you're just like, he's weak. He's a pussy. <laughs> 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 It's a plan all along. Like, I mean, next minute they may as well make him part of the bomb plan. So they lock Lynn in a closet, which is going to lead to one one. <laughs> Lynn will come out of the closet. <laughs> like, this leads to one of my like least favorite things that's going to come. I don't know if it's next week or the week after, but oh God, it's, it's so bad. But like, anyway, Mike Lockley in the closet because they're going to have a meeting to basically make Palmer president because they're shitty. They won't go to war. Like it just, it makes them look so shit that they're so like stereotypes of the U S much. Like we just want to invade countries and go to war. So anyway, um, it's not the best. Um, and like, I can't even like, at least with the other two storylines, which has some cheesy shit about it. I like can enjoy it to the point where there's top five moments. Whereas this, it's like, yeah. Okay. Mike's apparently evil now. And, um, the, the president is, I don't know. Is he incompetent or is he just, you know, doing the presidential thing? I don't know. It's just terrible writing on everybody's part. And I think this is my, my biggest objection uh, isn't, Oh, who's in the right Palmer or Mike. It's the writers. Just like I was saying with that scene with Jack on the airplane and uh, what we're getting with Tony and Michelle and everybody, none of this is consistent with their characters. And I still feel like this is, at a point in the show where nobody was quite comfortable just, you know, objecting and saying, I don't think this is right for the character because yeah. it's, it's hitting everybody this season. Mike's character makes no sense when he locks her in the closet. That is the biggest problem. It doesn't fit with him. It doesn't need to be in the story. Uh, it doesn't make sense with Palmer that he's going on a hunch. If, if you're going to have Palmer going on a hunch, have him have more conversation with the Jack. Have him say, you know, I truly believe him. And, you know, oh, I, I think or even just say, I think we need to explore this more. We may be rolling the dice. We may be taking a gamble, but we have to do our job. and We have to make sure we're we're not going to kill 20,000 of other people's citizens just because we might lose 20,000 of our own. We have to do this right. There's easier ways to write this so that you're not being really mustache twirling with everybody, you know. Uh, but here's the here's the facts I want to run through here. So. What they say is that it's not we're going to lose 20,000 American soldiers if we delay this attack. It's a, we're, we're projecting we're going to lose 20,000 more. So they're already projecting they're going to lose a lot of people in this war, I'm guessing. Uh, just going through a couple of recent wars, I guess, uh, within the last, I don't know, 150 years or whatever. Um, Afghanistan war. The entire duration of the Afghanistan war. You know how many Americans died, soldiers? 
2,400. Um, the entire duration of the Iraq war, 4,400 American soldiers died. Those are long wars. Um, the American Revolution, 25,000. So now we're around in the ballpark of what they're projecting America is going to lose in this war with Yemen and whatever the neighboring <laughs> countries are. But let's keep in mind the American Revolution, that's 25,000 split on both sides because it was only American soldiers. So we're projecting far, far higher casualties than the Afghanistan war, the Iraq war. You could actually say if you divide this up, if you look at the American Revolution as 50-50, they're projecting more losses for delaying until after lunchtime than the <laughs> Afghanistan war, the Iraq war, and the American Revolution well, you don't combined. piss off Yemen, Colin. You know how good they are. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, yeah. if there's one army in the world you don't piss off. It's those Yemenese army. Woof. Yeah, there's a reason Russia has not invaded Yemen, okay? Exactly. <laughs> That's more That's than smart. they can handle. Uh, the entire Vietnam War, 14 years in Vietnam, 58,000 American soldiers. That's one of the bloodiest wars you can find. That's 14 years. <laughs> Who's doing the projections? I want Palmer to say, no, no, no. Okay, whoever is doing this data, I've done a quick Google search here, and we lost more in three wars combined, or, or we will lose less in three wars combined than we're going to lose here. Like somebody's math does not check out. Um, it's just, it's everything about this is ludicrous. Now, yes, it's a television show. You have to do it. You know, you have to, uh, have some type of deadline for the season, but at the same time, let's not even completely blame the writers because we've sort of found out that they, they basically petitioned. We don't want the bomb to last the whole season. So we could be led to believe that the original plan was the bomb was the whole season. Yeah. So now it's, it's, it's their fault for not giving the writers, a whole year to plan this and dropping halfway through. Okay, we're going to do the bomb next week. So start planning what's coming after that. I don't know. We have to go to war before breakfast. It's <laughs> also not even breakfast in Yemen right now. You know, It's already lunchtime for them. That's an uh, that's, uh, untapped market of a spinoff show. Breakfast in Yemen. <laughs> breakfast in Yemen. <laughs> Starring Sybil um, Shepard and Bruce Willis. <laughs> Bruce Willis. <laughs> Return. Breakfast in Yemen. <laughs> the sexual chemistry that we've been waiting for in the and revival. I said, what about breakfast in breakfast Yemen? In Yemen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, my, my problem with Palmer is that he has less evidence that he's going on than the attack. And I uh, here's why I don't even completely blame Mike and the vice president and anybody else for doubting him, because Palmer's not even saying that much. The, the closest thing he says to even explaining his hunch is when Mike is giving a very, very valid point and saying, you're trusting a man who's mentally unstable coming into this day and has already assaulted his own employers only yeah. a couple hours ago. And Palmer says, I'm not trusting his background. I'm trusting the man. You know, <laughs> Tell us why you're trusting the man. Tell, say He's those things you said, like, he, yeah, exactly. Have you seen him shirtless? I mean, you can't beat those nipples. I really hope nobody hurts those nipples later on. He, he might not uh, have any nipples left, but I still love him. <laughs> and man, can he fry a taquito? <laughs> That's a man right there. <laughs> but yeah, like have him explain those things. There's ways to preserve the character's integrity in the eyes of the audience and still tell this same story, even though the same story is ludicrous. There are a million ways to do this better. And, and again, I don't know who to blame because I see that everybody's hands are kind of tied here. It just sucks. But locking Lynn in the closet, like, again, I was saying the same thing. It's, it's treason, man. I'm like, it. he just explained to you how this legally is within their rights. <laughs> like, it's not treason. Locking her in the closet is just, it's so out of character for Mike and anybody 
other than what's his name, uh, Mr. NSA director from earlier in the season. I just, I don't like any of this. Like, this is why I'm in the episode. It's, um, the one thing I'll say about it is, by uttering the words, it's a great twist. It's like, I remember watching this going, like, I had no fucking clue that was going to happen. Okay. Like, it's dumb, but like, you don't know it's going to happen. So it's kind of like, there's, there's, it's one of these twists where there's no lead up to it and you never are going to assume Mike's going to do this. So I kind of, I like that level of it. But yeah, like, again, it, I like that line when, is it Mike who says, you know, when they're talking about the recording, like this, you know, separates all the things that proves it's false. And, and I think Mike says like, well, how is, how do you know this is any more like less true than yeah. the one that you're claiming right now is less true. Like, <laughs> and it's a good point. Like, it's like, well, yeah. Okay. Valid. Um, but it's kind of, it, it just, it, what kerfuffles it so much again, it's the rush nature TV shows got a TV show, but like, it's also the case of if the president made a decision that the cabinet was not for, do they go straight to the 25th amendment or do they maybe call another meeting and maybe mm-hmm. call another couple of like, you know, Congress members in and just maybe like, this seems like a bit of a zero to 100 move. Uh, <laughs> you know, like we're going to save 20,000 American lives. Like, you know, it's kind of, yeah. But um, anyway, well, shall we get- last, yeah. last right, update right. here, just before we move on uh, after, you know, we had mentioned on the past episode, I think we asked my brother, uh, do, do you, do you have an opinion on this? Uh, so he actually texted me. He says he definitely thinks Mike is in the right in the beginning as Jack and Palmer are quite irrational and Mike is right to question things. As the storyline goes on, though, it reverses and Mike becomes the irrational one by the end. But uh, he agrees with us that it, the, the writing of the characters is the problem here. Again, it's all a writing problem with the season. But I, I, it's again, it's a fair point. Like when this starts, Mike is right to question things. And then it evolves into a point where Mike just becomes so over the top Mm. where, you know, oh, he's doing things like none of these characters are being rational here. And I think that should if you're going to make that the way that these characters are acting, address it somehow. And Jude is great. And he would be great. to talk. It'd be great to talk about this because like it's kind of this is the only real skewiff thing you ever do with Mike. Like he'll come back mm-hmm. and he'll just kind of be normal Mike. So it's like, hey, remember that moment yeah. for like four episodes? He was kind of evil. Um, well, so like how would it be so interesting to hear about him? Like this maybe might be the most fun storyline he had because, like you know, actors kind of like it when they do like side tangent, nip tuck. Like I remember when we talked to uh, Roma Mafia and uh, this is going to go over your head, but one of my maybe my least favorite storyline in all of nip tuck is when they make Liz and Christian hook up. Like this is oh, so fucking awful. ridiculously stupid. Um, and I think from memory, when I talked to Roman Martha, she's like, well, I actually kind of like that storyline. It was something a bit different. Like, you know, sure. Mm. It's like, yeah, just cause you get to like make out with uh, Julie McMahon. Why wouldn't you like that storyline? But um, it's kind of, yeah. Like it'd be interesting to see his viewpoint on how he thinks it went. So, um, but good on Jude. Hey, well, come on the show, Jude. Like I want to go see him live. Would I go see him live before? Keep well, like, it's, that's interesting. Dude, kick a cola. <laughs> but but that, that is an interesting point. I mean, often actors, they want to do these fun things. What's your everyday standard for the character? Just what sets Mike apart from a lot of these other characters and why he stuck around so long is because I'm Jude, uh, Jude, Judy, Judy, Jude C. Uh, he, Judy Dench. He, he does bring, he brings like a, a uh, command to his role. There's not overpowering. It's, it, it just feels very natural. So he's likable to watch as Mike. 
And I almost wonder if they maybe didn't have plans to bring him back. And they're like, well, this is how we're going to write out Mike. Yeah. Uh, but it has to at least be fun for these actors when they get to do something out of the ordinary. But it doesn't mean that it fits with the character, you know? Let's get to Jack because he's some stuff to unpack. Um, so <laughs> they've got the chip out of our man and kind of, you know, he's Yusuf getting his all soldering iron and everything. It's a very like sciencey episode. And I do love um, this whole like, there's a chip in it, Jack. Like this is a tiny little silver dot. And straight away you're like, yeah, there's a chip and they can track him. Massive plot hole here where they're like, they could track him. And then Jack's like, yeah, this is how they could track him to the warehouse. So if they could track him this whole time, how come they didn't like track him earlier? Like when he was like killing all the other coral snake people, like why have they only waited till now? Like, I mean, plot convenience, like, Hey, he's chasing Jack now. So this is when the bad guys are like, would they not be following this guy and getting rid of him early if they know that this is in him? Like it makes kind of no sense that this just happens to yeah. be part of him. But one thing that I love, like I love, I love this phone call between Jack and Tony that they're just getting angry at each other and random plot line of 90% of the network is down since the nuclear bomb. That in itself should be explored. If 90% of Los Angeles is without communication, like that should be a season plot line. Like I guess it kind of is for what season seven, when it's kind of almost like the um the the diehard four storyline of like controlling the grid and like power and all that mm. kind of stuff, but like I don't know, like I just feel like that's just an untapped moment and it's just passed over. And like from memory, this isn't explored. It's not like earlier in the season when you got the guys fiddling with the um the communication at CTU that means something. But like I just love how just in this episode, like ninety percent of communication is down. Okay, let's move to Satcom four. Like it's just kind of like let's flick a switch because <laughs> two thousand three technology people was that fucking easy. Um. Anyway, let's let's so, just switch to Skype. Yeah. <laughs> so basically the the goons show up, the goon squad, it's you know, loon, Looney to uh Space Jam 2. Um they show up to get Jack Yusuf and um you know Kate's here as well. Don't forget that. Um like this is where like it makes no sense. So Jack's plan is remove the tracking chip, I'll go here to distract them, you go to CTU. Let's meet in the middle. Okay. Solid do distract all them. Maybe questions. Oh, I'm going to lure them away so that we can track them. So I can question them. Like he literally just is like, get this, get that. We'll go after them here. Why doesn't Jack just like a leave the chip there? B put it on like Johnny, the Uber driver or like drive out to a park, leave it in a bin and then run away. Like what makes no point, no sense here is that he takes the chip off puts it on the ground and then he's in the alley running so he can easily get caught. Like I'm like, I love me Jack Bauer. One of the greatest television characters of all time, but Jack's dumb in this episode. Like, I mean, like why does he just leave it on the floor and still be visible idiot? Um, so I don't know. Like if you've got a viewpoint of that quickly, but. I mean, it's, you know, spur of the moment. He has to think of something. Uh, it, it, again, if, if we're applying logic, this is what makes sense. We probably don't have a show. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> Uh, but to me, the, the way this played to me was, I, and again, maybe it's just the way I'm reading it. I was reading it like Jack was messing with them. I was like, just wait till they find this. Oh, I wish I could see the look on their face. And that's obviously not a, the way it was. Yeah, true. Uh, again, you're right. Like it's, and you, the point of this, you've got to get Jack captured to get tortured. That's the crux of this episode. Yeah. But so because then, <laughs> otherwise Jack Bauer would never be able to die. I know next week we guarantee you one thing. Jack Bauer will die. Um, shoot him, nuke him in the face. Um, 
<laughs> but I love when Jack gets captured. We get classic Jack. <laughs> Back to season one in the compound. Like when he gets captured. Um, maybe I'll just I'll quickly go on the, the Kate use of stuff here because that can get done. So they've got to wait in a park, which I... The thing that I do love about a TV show sometimes is when they overemphasize the plot that you've got to repeat it like 50 times, be it for the fact that, hey, remember audience what they're doing or B, let's use a trailer line. So we've got Kate and Yusuf driving in the car and Yusuf all like, you don't have them bombing your country and this, we've got to do this. And I love Kate's look because you're just expecting Kate to pull a Kim here. And it's like, you haven't had half the day I had. My family was, you know, bring it on. <laughs> like she's got that look on her face that I feel like she's about to do it. Um, but then, so they're waiting in this park and it's like, okay, we've got to go. And Kate's like, give him a minute, Kate, we've given him more time than we need to. And then I love the way he dramatically holds up the chip. We have to get this chip back to CTU because it contains information that will stop a war. It's like, yes, I've been watching this episode now for like 38 (laughs) minutes. I'm familiar with the plot. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. This entire episode is just reiterating everything that we already saw. It's, it's just, it's very out of place um, to which like, you know, you've had a few subtle little, I think you got a line earlier on from the governor of California's calling up Arnold Schwarzenegger was a governor back then, of course. And he's all like, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. President, we got to put martial law in the streets of Sacramento because Sacramento is where all the shit's happening. Apparently we must terminate the Yemenis. <laughs> um, yeah. Fucking Schwarzenegger just nuking him straight away. Like send a nuke. <laughs> what is it like? Option number three, I was elected to lead, not to read. Um, but- we will call this day Judgment Day. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Um, but So we've gotten that little caveat that, oh, no, California is a Georgia right now. So anyway, as they're driving off, they nearly get collected by a, a fire engine. And then out of nowhere, we get the redneck squad bashing up poor old Yusuf here, a.k.a. Towhead, uh, to which one of them, like, all about the celebrity cameos. We haven't even got to two that we've gotten here with the gang torturing Jack. Did you recognize one of our redneck men here bashing up dear old Yusuf? I, <laughs> I, so I recognized his name when the opening credits came and I got really excited. And then it wasn't till like the end of the episode. We're like minutes away from the end of the episode. We're on the Google. I'm like, I did not see Nick Offerman here. I want to know who was he. So then I spotted him and we'll see him again next week. I say, I'll be absolutely honest with you. When Nick Offerman came to Hobart with supposedly Megan Mullally, uh, and obviously she ultimately ended up cancelling, I didn't know who Nick Offerman was because what is he in Parks and Rec? Is that the one he's in? Yeah. Is that the okay? So yeah. didn't know, didn't know that he was married to Megan Mullally. So like I looked him up, and I'm like, okay, never seen Parks and Rec. But then I was like, oh, he's in 24. I remember looking up, going like, yeah, I remember like random redneck dude who beats up Yusuf in season two. So like, I kind of remember that this was obviously him, but uh, yeah, people at home did really rolls like just him. Um, some, like, what are they doing in this neighborhood? And like, what are the odds that there they are, that there's a Middle Eastern man. Um, and like, what makes this even like worse is I just like, again, Sarah Winter, bless her, not the best like dramatic when it comes to like screaming. He's like, what are you doing? You don't know what this means. And like, I love the overdramatic slap. And I also appreciate the screenshot on 24 Wiki. You've got of like Kate, like, ah, like mid slap. <laughs> 
<laughs> and like, it's like, again, TV shows go to TV show. You just can't literally have them arrive at CTU. Tony, he's a recording. Oh, thank God we're stopping a war. Of course they've got to encounter rednecks in downtown LA at 2.53 a.m. bashing up Middle Eastern people. Of course they do. I, I mean, love this picture. <laughs> right? It's just like, ah! Um, but um oh god do i need to change our like episode pictures like the coffee one last season of like kim with the coffee i think i need to change the picture um but oh it's it's dumb but uh but okay i'll get to the joke do you have anything to add on nick offerman bashing up yusuf and this over dramatic thing um not as much i i I still want to say I, I'm I'm slowly turning around on Yusuf. Like I didn't remember him being at this big of a part of the season. And I really think like, especially that moment with the distraction, the car where he comes up behind them, like that's kind of a great Jack Bauer moment. I mean, he is definitely B grade Yemeni's Jack Bauer. I mean, <laughs> it, it, I'm not, this is a season two appreciation, but I'm like, Yusuf had more to him than I think uh, I gave him credit for. Uh, but uh, with Nick Offerman, I want to quickly say, um, I know you've never seen Parks and Recreation, but uh, as, as somebody who's a Megan Lally fan, who I pretty much know her more. I, I know her from commercials of Will and Grace. I, I know her from Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Everyone she, does. She, <laughs> she, uh, she's had a couple of episodes on Parks and Rec uh, where she plays Nick Offerman's ex-wife, who is completely crazy, maybe one of the most fun characters on the show. And you want to talk about sexual chemistry. Uh, the entire purpose of these characters, they did they despise each other. Like, literally, he will flee for his life when she's around. But then they will always end up in bed together and he will end up brainwashed by her. So that they, did they, a they similar, have some fun chemistry. On the reboot of Will and Grace, they did a similar thing where like, cause she's like, you know, rich, bitchy snob socialite. So she doesn't, you know, associate with like the help. So like they did an episode where like, he was like the handyman who like came in. I think, I don't know if it was in the office or like a house. And so like they hated each other, but of course they end up like fucking by the end of the episode because you know, that's it's probably written in every contract to Meg Mullally and Nick Hoffman that they've got to have sex in their TV shows clearly. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. there's um there's a Parks and Recreation podcast that Rob Lowe actually co-hosts with one of the writers, and uh, they they talk about them on there, and they said that uh, they basically ask, can you guys just make us as opposite from real life as possible? And apparently, that's uh, also Amy Poehler who stars in that show. She was married to Will Arnett. And they did the same thing. Like we want our characters to be together, but we want us to hate each other. So that's just, I guess, a Hollywood thing where they want to have fun kind of playing the opposite of their relationships. What this really needed is this episode needed Megan Mullally be the one being slapped around. <laughs> like wow. that, I'm sure they would have had a blast with that. Right. But I mean, um, it's, it's, mm. it's so absurd the way that these guys storm into the hospital with their walkie talkies and all that. And nobody is questioning it. Like this is the American forget. Don't go blaming Yemen or whatever. I mean, if this is how low the security of the United States is, <laughs> I'm shocked that you weren't bombed, you know, decades ago. I mean, well, you technically were, I was called Pearl Harbor. Oh, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 9 11, whatever. But, uh, but it is, just, it's, it's doing no favors for the security. This is the second hospital, the hospital that Jack went into holding them up with a gun. They put up no fight. I mean, don't you think that there would at least be a moment that like, Excuse me, are uh, are you guys allowed back isn't here? It, this is the same. This is the same place, isn't it? it? I think it is the same place. Yeah. So you know, you've had a guy come in there with a gun an hour ago, and now these suspicious-looking guys with their walkie-talkies snooping around all the back parts of the hospital, and nobody's asking to see their ID. 
well, then they find a room and torture a man. And then no one's yeah. like walking past this. I mean, it's 3 a.m. I guess everyone's asleep. What kind of but, like, healthcare system do they have? It's, 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 it's strange. Uh, also, speaking of uh, Rob Lowe, fun fact, uh, listen to Rob Lowe's Oz Network podcast covering uh, his thoughts on Yusuf. Um, it's a great podcast <laughs> and uh, spared no expense in getting Rob Lowe as a co-host on the Oz Network. Oh, if only we could. What a man, Rob Lowe. He should be in more things. He's, doesn't he do that? What, what's the um, TV show? Archer? Is that the, not Archer? Uh, doesn't what's, is he Archer? Doesn't well, he do the voice of the... the oh, the, I don't know. The I, adult. I, I mean, he's in... 911. That's the only other thing I know him from. Uh, 911 Lone Star, Colin. Get the right. Oh, uh, get, get the right 911. Is that um, the Liv Tyler one or the Jennifer Love Hewitt one? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the Liv Tyler one, who I think she did a Jennifer Love Hewitt and left already. So they got Gina Torres to replace her. Um, so it's like how uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt replaced Connie Britton and now Jennifer Love Hewitt's left. So I don't know who they're going to, which, which early 2000s actor is available. Um, Patricia Arquette, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she won an Oscar. She's too big for 911. Um, anyway, uh, so let's get to the, the Naked Jack stuff because this is what we're all here for. Um, but can we talk about our two celebrity cameos? Um, first of all, did you recognise our lead torturer? Not, I'm not talking about Tobin yes. Bell on the phone. Did you recognise uh, certain famous... Uh, well, he's not really famous. Well, he's famous, but like as in well, we know him from one particular role that we've done a movie on this show. Well, I, I, again, I saw the name Peter Outerbridge uh, in the opening credits. I'm like, what? who is he in here? And, you know, I had to jog my memory. That's him. But uh, yeah, of course, we know him from uh, Cool Runnings. We actually covered another one of his movies. I don't know if you remember uh, Men with Brooms, the curling yeah, yeah. movie when we yep. did it in Canadian Month. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, one of the more fun characters in that one. Uh, another one of these guys that just if you're I'm not going to say he's famous, famous in Canada, where if you mention the name, if you mention the name, people probably say, oh, what do I know that name from? But guaranteed most Canadians have probably seen him in a half a dozen or more things where they're like, Oh, that's that guy who was in this. Yeah. He's still fairly a pretty big deal. Uh, you, if you look on his filmography, I mean, he's been keeping busy even still today. Is he Canadian? He is. Yeah. Okay. He actually, him. you know he's what? not German then. Uh, Canadian TV shows. I know I mentioned this to you many times before. It's almost like the shelf life is five years by choice. Like no Canadian TV show wants to go longer than five years. Uh, the longest running show is a show called Murdoch Mysteries, which is still running today. And it's like 14th or 15th season. Um, the thing, he's not the star of that show, but it started as like a mini series. Like we're going to air a couple of, you know, TV movies to kind of get interest in this TV show. And he was the original star of that. I don't know the reason he didn't come back, but I mean, if there was, if there's a reason, if it was his choice or something, he would have, had he kept that role, been the longest running television star here in Canada, but I don't know why they replaced him. Needs to go to neighbors, basically. Um, I, yeah. I just, I just, I can't not watch him and just like look at this guy and go, and that's Joseph Gruel. He's also the biggest asshole in the world too. Like I just like see him. I'm just like, you got no business here, Jamaica. Like <laughs> I want him to like say that to Jack. You got no business here, Bauer. You come up here floating <laughs> in the CTU world. Why don't you go home and leave this secret agency to the real men, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you want to say something, Jamaica? Out with it. <laughs> like, there, come on. I just want to. There's, be, there's be the original running. mustache twirling. Did he really deserve to be a bad guy villain? So, like, again, like, they go from zero to 100 so quickly here. So we capture Jack, <laughs> drag you to the hospital, strip him naked, tie him up on a meat hook. Oh, every man's dream with Kiva Sutherland. And <laughs> living taquito. <laughs> 
They ring up Tobin Bell. There he is, um, Mr. Jigsaw himself. Um, and <laughs> Saw had come out at this point, hadn't he? He, he was Saw famous in 2003, wasn't he? Uh, I mean, I've never seen the Saw movies, but if I remember right, I think that was the same year it came out. So it might have he might have still been filming it, but not quite had it released yet. I've only seen the first two, which uh, I think is before they turned completely like torture porn. Um, but what am I saying? He saw came out in 2004. Okay. There you go. Co- oh, you're away. He co- got it because of this. Probably. I don't know if it was co-written or created by an Australian guy. Um, cause yeah, James Wan Lee. Well, now I think he's Australian. So anyway, um, here he is TVs, movies, Tobin Bell, uh, also in lots of other things. He's the big evil guy on the phone. So he, he's kind of now the big bad, I guess, Peter Kingsley. Yeah. So um, he is our fine. He is our Victor Drazen of the season. Yeah. Which look, if we're going to ever rank the villains, I have not like, he's got a bit of awe about him, but you kind of forget, like you just remember it that it's Tobin Bell. Like, I don't think you remember, like, I, can I tell you how evil he gets in the last part? Eh, kind of, but not overly. Whereas I can remember Victor Drazen and obviously next season, my yeah. man's in it. So yeah. But um, he's, I would say like Victor Drazen is a villain that stands out in the last, half a dozen episodes yeah uh kingsley is a villain that stands out in the finale really stands out in the finale but before that he's just sort of like the follow the white man character the man in the shadows basically on the yeah. phone so but um so basically now we're gonna torture jack because it's like where's the chip where's the chip and you know they're yeah everyone's gonna break i love kind of like tobin bell on the phone like i've read your file like i mean they literally captured this guy 10 minutes ago how do they get a file so quickly but good for them <laughs> Um, so anyway, so they're going to torture him. They, then like, even the torturing, like, again, we've talked a little bit about this earlier this season when it comes to like, this is where 24 over the next few seasons kind of gets all the controversy around the torturing and eventually going to scale this back. And this is obviously post nine 11 torture was a big deal. America was getting away with it at the time before it became sort of more controversial. Uh, and I will say, according to the 24 official guide, um, the graphic nature of this, uh, torture earned it's the Parent Television Council's least family-friendly program citation for the week. So congratulations, I was, 24. I was curious about that because comparing this to last season, I mean, they go all out with the torture here, which is another one of the problems I have with this episode. But like, they are not holding back. They're not shy this week. But in having said that, though, we had earlier this season, guy gets his balls chopped off with a grinder. This week, they do a couple of light cuts to his nipples and use a soldering iron and then a taser, and that's enough to kill Jack Bauer. Like, I'm sorry, Jack Bauer's a man. Like, he could withstand a grinder to the dick and he would survive. Like, I'm not believing Jack Bauer is is passing out because of a soldering iron and a taser. Is is that the new uh, nuke of the face? Like, solder his nipples, grind the dick. Jamie's probably watching this going, oh, Colin, what are you doing tonight? Um... But like it's, I'm it's gonna graphic. really object to the whole Jack Bauer is dead thing. Um, <laughs> probably more so next week. But yeah, no, it's funny you did say that. Like we have seen, we haven't seen, we have known of more off-screen stuff that was more vicious than this. And this is what's supposed to kill Jack Bauer. Yeah, you're kind of right like, with that. I mean, again, I haven't watched next week. I mean, is this is is it from memory like a Bond in Die Another Day thing where he's like stopping his heart to get let down? I feel like that's kind of it isn't it so like is this just jack bauer so good at stopping his heart that you know it's not no okay it's like i think that that would if they had had anything to confirm that i i'd be willing to buy it because it's jack bauer but 
Yeah. But I, I just figured, yeah, I mean, how quickly would the show have been over <laughs> if he died here? Well, I mean, like, in all honesty, maybe one of the greatest plot twists in television history. You're killing Jack Bauer off 19 episodes into season two. Okay. Probably cancels the, you know, the, the viewpoint of it. But, yeah, I mean, look, there's not a whole lot to cover here except the Jack's getting tortured. Old Yusef Gruel here gets very angry. Like, we can't kill him. We can't kill him. I'll give him the information. He's like, I'm going to taser him in the face. Um, I mean... The one thing I love about a good torture scene is when they make like a character draw it out. So get the tools out slowly. I love it when you get the bottle of like Peter Aldridge is great here. Like I love him like drinking the water and he kind of holds it up. Like, would you like a, I just want Jack to be like, yeah, I would actually. Uh, oh, here you go. <laughs> How's Kim? Good. Yeah. Right. Um, and then like, I love how he seductively, seductively uh, burns the <laughs> bottle with a song. <laughs> Baby, I'm going to burn your nipples. Um, oh, anyway. everything Peter Outerbridge does is seductive. <laughs> oh, what a man. Um, so, yeah, anyway, basically Jack passes out and he's this This was, I couldn't find, I tried to find the, I couldn't find it, but this was Channel 7 selling point. Jack Bauer will die because it's like we can't wake him up and dit, 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 like <gasps> Jack Bauer was dead. And I think I remember watching this like not being a shock because Channel 7 told me. Um, so, and as you said, they're not going to kill Jack Bauer off 19 episodes into season two. So, um, but yeah, Jack Bauer dead, Colin. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm really not a fan of the torture in this episode and I'm not squeamish in any way. Um, uh, I, I will maybe, maybe in a certain extent, I think torture is tough to watch because uh, we did uh, a couple of years ago, our favorite movies of the decade episode and TV shows as well. And I ranked zero dark 30, I think in my top five of the decade, and that movie was famous for kind of like, oh, this is where torture has maybe gone too far in film, which is really only the first 15 minutes of movie. But like still to this day, as much as I love Zero Dark Thirty, and I've seen it probably a dozen times, I will often skip the torture scenes and then just start after that in Zero Dark Thirty. Um, it's not like I get squeamish, but it's just it's un, it's an unpleasant thing to watch in large doses. And I feel like this is too large of a dose of torture. Uh, some of the scenes we had earlier would lead you to believe this is network television. You can't get away with, you know, the, 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 the grinding and the, the hacksaw and all those things. But like, they're showing a lot here. Even if it is just Jack's reaction to it, it's, it's a little bit too much. And not even in a way where it makes me feel uncomfortable. I just feel like this is all we have from Jack is just a bunch of, you know, uh, maybe more questioning would have been better. Although I really do love Peter Outerbridge, the way that he tortures. I think that, um, kind of the way that season one brought in a lot of the more fun characters for two or three episodes near the end of the season. I feel like they're doing that same thing here. There was the guy uh, who had the tracking chip in him originally who two or three episodes, you know, kind of a fun character. And we're getting the same thing here with Ronnie. Uh, what I really love is where Kingsley's on the phone with Jack and interrogating him. And uh, as soon as you realize Jack's not going to say anything or whatever, he just all of a sudden goes from Tobin Bell. Okay, okay, and now you're going to tell us when you know. All of a sudden, Ronnie! And then Jack's <laughs> like, I think he wants to talk to you. Again. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really great moment. But yeah, I'm just, I'm not a fan of this torture going on the whole episode. Like, make it two scenes, but it just, it keeps going and going. Uh, and the Jack Bauer dying thing, I mean, we're pretty much at the end of the episode. So I don't know if you want to talk about, you sort of mentioned that Jack Bauer will die thing being an ad there. I also mentioned the beginning of the season, it was different in Canada because the rights for 24, I mean, the show was so successful, but the network that carried it didn't have enough money to pay them for season two. So it was held up until global was willing to pick it up. So we got 24 here as a binge watching TV show during the summer. And it literally ended before season three. So there wasn't the type of promotion. We didn't get to witness that here. 
But apparently, even in America, they played up on this whole dying thing. And after the episode aired, changed Jack Bauer's page on the 24 website to say deceased. Mm. So this was like, it's a gimmick. And it was a gimmick meant for promotion. I have to imagine they probably had similar commercials there where Jack Bauer will die. Um, it's, it's a little bit dumb when we get to him dying, though, because they just sort of declare him dead. This man is dead. You know, like, well, did you, no, he has no pulse. That doesn't make him dead. You know, like <laughs> there's a difference between being declared legally dead. You can't say he's dead. Let me bring him back. You could say, oh, he has no pulse. Let me bring him back. So, but I mean, if it got people interested, you know, anywhere other than Canada, I guess good for them. I mean, Ryan Felipe's technically been dead for the last like 15 years, but the guy's still got a pulse. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you don't go out of your way to say that, do you? Um, <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it's a gimmick, like it is. But, like, I, I've marked this down as a top five moment because, I mean, it's it's it was a big deal, Jack Bauer dying. Like, it, it, it I, was, you know, it's it's promote. Like, and, I, like, I think it's just the way it's done. Like, again, as I think I said, like, I wasn't shocked. I was like, oh, whatever. But, like, I can imagine if you didn't see any promos or whatever, you'd be like, holy fuck, like, wow, okay, big moment. Like, geez, and this, yeah, this also did make the 24 moments of my 24 thing that I did. But, um you know, I would fight for the Michelle and Tony kiss more than I would fight for this scene, but I, I still think it's a noteworthy enough scene that Jack Bauer dies. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a well, prominent scene. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to agree on this being a top five one, just because I think this is a <laughs> terrible episode. Um, and, and again, maybe it's because I didn't really experience it. To me, this was always just, Oh, well, he's obviously not going to die. Like there wasn't the whole promotion thing behind it. So maybe that changes it. But uh, I, I feel like I do have to stop judging you on some of your top five picks that I kind of scoff at because I'm like, we are in season two and I'm looking at the scenes that I have potential top fives. I know of a few still to come. I'm currently at four scenes that I would fight for, for top five moments. And I know there's at least two more to come, but uh, it is it is a bit of a struggle. So, you know, I'll give you credit. You're, you're, you're thinking outside the box. You're coming up with the best suggestions uh, <laughs> and otherwise pretty bad season might be the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Um, I've, I'm actually re- reading, I've, I've listed down because not that people really care, but I had a different notebook before this and now I had to remember what the top five months have. I've actually written a fair few for this season, but I'm looking at some of them going like, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's two standouts for me that we've had this season and that's the opening episode with the, we're going to need a hacksaw and the bomb going yeah. off. Like they're the two standouts, obviously. And then the final scene of this season will make it. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, but no, look, I've got, I, I think I honestly have, of all the ones we've discussed, I have one scene that I'm pretty sure I'll fight for more than you. Otherwise we're mostly in agreement. And then there's a couple of the dumb suggestions that <laughs> we just, we just need to pad the list. It's not like last season where we basically had our scenes already set before the season even started. We knew yeah. what we were going to get. But yeah, like I, I would, I mean, from what I can think of the top of my head, Three, I would say guaranteed scenes and maybe the other two are going to be like, we each get one each. I don't know. Uh, one thing yeah. we should have mentioned, we didn't mention at all. Chappelle's in this episode. He calls up Tony. Oh, yeah. All like, sup, Tony? Well- How you doing? I'm coming in. <laughs> I, I actually love Chappelle here when um, he's just kind of like, yes, I hear you guys are having, you know, so I'm coming in with some guys in division. And I love Tony's like, no, no, we're pretty good here. Chappelle and I love Chappelle. I'm sure you are, Tony. I'll see you in 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, Chappelle's on board. <laughs> I love that awkward moment with Mason. Yes, it's uh, congratulations on your promotion. It's like, yeah, difficult surf- diff- difficult circumstances. Mason was a great man. Yeah, he was. So you've been doing shit today, Tony. <laughs> but like, why is he calling it a promotion? Like he is an acting director. This is like, I, I don't know, like if, if uh, 
well, I guess it's different with a president, but let's just let's just say with a corporation. Okay, if if, if my boss dies, all right, they're oh. gonna say, Colin, can you fill in until we can put a post? I, I I may apply for that posting. I may eventually get that posting. You know, it, once the job has actually gone out. But I mean, for now, Tony is simply the guy who's been left in charge. He's not. They're not engraving his name on the door yet. You know. Well, uh, by the way, if Colin's boss is dead in the next 24 hours, we can uh, get a bit suspicious basically with that. But um, yeah, I mean, maybe Tony should be on the phone going like, are you saying I got the job? Is this mine? Am I permanent now? Oh my God, yeah. Chappelle, thank you so much. <laughs> going to be so happy. Do you think though that um, my thought when watching this back in season two, I recognize, oh, this was the guy they've talked about Chappelle, but like he was not a big deal. Chappelle becomes a big deal in the next season. Mm. But the way they give him this grand entrance here and we're only five episodes away from the end of the season. They had to have known at this point, we're going to use this guy next season. Let's start reintroducing him to the audience. Right. I, I remembered him because I think like you hear his name mentioned about like five or so times in this season before you see him. So like, yeah, I think it was like straight away. Like, Oh yeah. The guy from last season. But um, yeah, I'd even argue like, I mean, I know sort of Mason becomes more of a prominent thing at the end of season one, but it's kind of like when Mason gets brought back in in season one, you're like, Oh, that was that guy from the first, like first couple of episodes, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like, I guess, let's be honest in more ways than one Chappelle is Mason's replacement, not just as a, you know, person, but like, it's kind of the boss you going to hate, but then will eventually love, uh, yeah. not love, but like feel sorry for, I guess. But, uh, and in, as we keep saying in an even more powerful moment than we have in this season, um, couple of other trivia facts. So legitimately didn't realize Kim was on in this episode until Peter Outridge is like, as I hear you've got a daughter, Kim. And I'm like, wait, where's Kim? Um, so this is the first episode to not feature Kim. I believe we don't get a next week either. Now, okay. I know you don't like this episode, but you're not here sitting going like, Oh, this episode would be so much better if we had Kim in it. But like, this has been half hour complaints about Kim, hasn't it? That you can just take her out of an episode for, or two. Nothing's going to change. You, like you're 40 minutes into this episode to, till you realize that Kim's not in this episode. So like, this yeah. is our point where we've been saying just because you got her on the main cast, you don't need to put her in the episode. I mean, yeah. Kim Sutherland is literally the only person who will be in every single episode of this show. Clearly the show is about Jack. I mean, at this point it's him and David Palmer have been, uh, Dennis Haysbert have been in this epi- uh, season. So it's, it's like you can live without having Kim in a few episodes. So the dumb, this, this is what makes this season even worse in my eyes is that you literally take her out for a couple of episodes. Um, you could have done that with the Cougar. You could have done that with the, you know, getting held yeah. up in a gas station. Like, I mean, God damn it. Riders of 24 like, season two. If you're willing to take her out do it earlier. In all fairness, um, <laughs> it's not like it's improved the show, not having him here. <laughs> it has in a way because we don't have so many bad storylines going on. But this, I don't know if they just reached a moment where they said, we're going to lay off her for a few episodes, but it, it, there's no need for her to be on the show constantly. You know, like we, we've been saying this from the beginning and it's almost like they, this was just an age where you couldn't remove the same thing with Kate. Like they've run out of things for Kate to do, but like now I'm even more confused because we have an episode without Kim. We're going to have another one without Kim. So why were we seeing her so much this season? And don't worry. She's still got shit storylines to go. So it's not like they're just going to bring her back in and it's going to be like season one where she's just sitting in CTU for the rest of the season. If only it was that simple. Um, I do also love the other trivia we've got here on 24 Wiki. Keith Sutherland has once portrayed a character that remained in clinical death condition for a large amount of time in the movie Flatliners. Um, thanks, 24 Wiki, um, Kevin Bacon movie. Uh, why, why have we not done Flatliners? It's got Kevin Bacon and Keith Sutherland in it, Colin. 
Like, I mean, that just screams. Oh, if Pierce Brosnan's in it, Jesus Christ, that's just that's just porn. That's not even um, a movie. <laughs> so, anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I read the main fact from the book. There's nothing else really to read in there. Uh, I have a feeling I know what you're doing with this episode. I'm what I'm doing is standing by how I open this episode. I'm binning it. Wow. It's not my lowest bin of the season though, because as I said, it's a memorable episode. It's not good, but it's memorable. So this is your first bin since episode 13. So um, didn't quite get to three buys in a row there, unfortunately. Um, I'm buying it. Um, I just like, again, uh, what, what episode was that where we both were kind of like, um, I think it was episode eight by the looks of things here. Cause I bought it, you binned it. So, um, there's just something about like, this is an episode I could put on and just like, I want to watch a random episode of 24. I'd watch this episode. Like it's, it's entertaining. It goes by very quickly. Um, there's definitely some shit about it. And a lot of the plot doesn't make sense and it's very soap opery. but like, I mean, I've got two potential top five moments in this episode. I just, I don't know. I'm weirdly entertained by this episode and I'll just say this right now. I've got this at number nine. Uh, I've got this as my second highest season two episode. Uh, and I've got this in my top 10. I, I mean, it will not say in the top 10, but like out of 43 episodes into 24, I have this as my night's best episode. There's just something about it. I just enjoyed this episode, even though it wait, was wait, ridiculous. Can you say that again? <laughs> number nine, Colin, number nine. I have this right now. That's wrong. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, even, very even me, that's wrong. <laughs> I'm thinking about it, but no, uh, even me saying that, you know, uh, this is more memorable. It's not my word. I have three season two episodes lower than this. Um, I have this ranked at 37 overall. So uh, there are three season two episodes that I have ranked lower than this. There's two season one episodes I've ranked lower than this. So if we're looking just at season two, this is like number 15 or something for season two for me. So I'm not as high, but it is memorable. I'm not going to forget it. Maybe for the wrong reasons. Come on, Ian, message me. Tell me I'm right. Tell me you're on board with this. <laughs> I, um, I've got to have a, I've got to have a defender of this episode. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's enjoyable. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> Next week, um, Jack Bauer's not dead. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, and oh, is Nick, have you watched next week yet? I haven't watched next I, week. I, I got about 15 minutes into it so far. And I, I, it's an improvement over this week. But uh, yeah, like you said, big shocker. He's not dead. I, I'm trying to think if this is the episode with, um, maybe I'll just have a quick look in the book here. Because if it is, it's there's a, there's a, a scene and a situation which I'm not a fan of. Um, I don't think it is next week. So, uh, anyway, it's a Lynn scene. Oh no, it is next week. Cause there's a picture of it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> her, her miraculous escape. Just remember what's his face, Miguel on the fire and the police cruiser. It seems to be a trend in season two. Um, there's stairs involved. Um, it's just dumb, but, uh, <laughs> get to that next week. Um, do all the things on social media, like follow, subscribe, Patreon. You sign up, we'll ignore you. Um, and <laughs> get there. We're sorry. We are the worst podcast. I get it. Um, again, this is why this one doesn't get nominated for awards. Uh, but other things that are happening, of course, Breaking Bad episodes. And you are potentially starting a movie month, which is exciting. Yes. We will. Well, people already know this if they listen to our review of the Adam Project over the weekend. But very exciting news. We're doing Jennifer Garner Month, Jamie and I. 
I gave her two choices. So this wasn't even my choice. Um, I gave her the choice of doing a bad movie month or a Jennifer Garner month. And she chose Jennifer Garner month uh, for a good reason. Jennifer Garner's 50th birthday is coming up and uh, she, she shares she's 50 and her Damn. and Jamie share the same birthday. So this is so Jamie's 50 as well. No. <laughs> well, and funny story, Sean. Both Bean, look great for their age. Sean Bean, Jamie and Jennifer Garner share the same birthday. So we might even fit in oh. a bonus Sean Bean. Episode who's your birthday? Can, so. Who's like, who's, who's famous on your birthday? Yes. Oh, yes, Jamie. Jamie. You're my favorite person born on April 17th. Oh, so this is why your wife is the I, best wife. Look at that. I sent her a birthday, a digital birthday card last year with a picture of Sean Bean and Jennifer Garner that said happy birthday. <laughs> That's what I sent to Jamie. But I did get her more. That was just a joke. But um, anyways, what was the question? What, who's who's famous on your birthday? Like I have um, I have Carrie Russell from the oh, yeah. star of the Americans, which wasn't cool until she was on the Americans. Felicity. And, Felicity, yeah, was, as I said, wasn't cool to the Americans. Star Wars, um, remember? Yeah, <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Again, only cool for the Americans, apparently. <laughs> and Mission Impossible, I guess. I I think I we've had this conversation before. I feel like I'm in deja vu. Um, Mel Gibson, I believe, has my birthday. Um, and I think there's another few, like, random people, which I don't, like, sports people, which I don't know if you'd know who they are. But, no, I'm pretty sure Mel Gibson has my birthday. So, um, there you go. Me and Mel Gibson very similar i don't know if i should say that um we're not we're, we're really not <laughs> i've not been in lethal weapon um so <laughs> that's um, the only thing that separates you and actually by the time this episode airs my birthday is this week and yours i think next week are we airing are we airing yours is the 22nd right 23rd 23rd so no this won't air on your birthday so yours will air next week so happy birthday to me thanks ben and yours will air the following week so uh next week would have seen Keeper Sutherland. Hopefully, we'll we'll update on that. Maybe that'll be the opening of the next episode. What did Ben think of seeing Keeper Sutherland live? <laughs> um, tune in to that. I'm sure you're gonna love it. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. My name is Ben, and damn towelhead. <laughs> <laughs> it was a line in the episode. <laughs> Things, things that maybe we should have edited out but didn't. Uh, my name is Colin. Well, my name is Ben and I know the man. There you go. Okay. <laughs> my name is Colin and... Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time.
Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. (laughs)